you losers. You trash, Bills. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. This is Zach Lyons, your usual host. Michael Gillum is putting out a work emergency, so I am hosting, but I do have Mike Herndon of Mike Miracles at Mike Miracles on Twitter. I'm at F-WordsPod. You can follow also everything that we write, everything that we do is over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com in partnership with 440 Media. If you have not gone to 440media.com, you are missing out on tons of cool, unique podcasts like Lamestream Media, where Braden Gall talks, basically gives you the inside scoop on Nashville media, a little peek behind the curtains and behind the scenes. They got hockey, they got football, they got all kinds of stuff over there. You have to go check them out, of course, over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have John Glennon. We have Mike Herndon. We have uh, gambling, fantasy advice. We also have some all-22s that come out every week. If you're not catching those all-22s, in-depth breakdown of the previous game. And my personal favorite is In the Trenches with uh, Ryan Watson, where he just talks about big old hog mollies and fat, fat people on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So, you know. So it's fun. It's a fun little website that we have, Mike. What do you have I, coming out this week? I cannot believe you called Jeffrey Simmons a fat person. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> coming out this week, uh, I'll be doing the All-22 offense as, uh, as usual, breaking down uh, what the Titans did against the Steelers defense this week. Um, also going to have the AFC South roundup, kind of looking at the uh, other games around the AFC South. Although this week, with the Colts being on bye, I don't know that it matters what happens with the Jaguars and Texans from here on out, but we can all get, get around and uh, laugh at them a little bit. Uh, and then um, I'll be uh, putting out today a uh, trade uh, uh, deadline speculation article, everyone's favorite topic. Uh, that that loves to be thrown out there this time of year, but we'll get to it later. But there were some good Twitter uh, takes out there about some <laughs> trades. <laughs> there always are. There always are. All right, Mike. I want now for those of you that are listening on the on podcast, we're of course doing Zoom like most podcasts are. So, Mike, I want you to look at look me in the eyes. It is time to talk about my balls. Support for today's show is brought to you by Manscaped 3.0, the Lawnmower 3.0, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Well, that would be Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And let me say this. You know what? They're not just in the United States anymore. They just launched in the UK, Mike. So all those British people who aren't brushing their teeth, they could buy a Manscaped product and maybe they'll learn some personal grooming habits that can help them out in the dating scene. If you are over there in London, you could be one of the first men in England to experience this life-changing product. That's why you need to go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code BROADWAYTN. That's Broadway the word. Letter T, letter N. Let me tell you something. I have yet to nick my balls on this. Now, 
I've only used it once because I'm not, I'm not a fast grower. I'm not a, I'm not a fast grower, you know, you know, just gotta say, I mean, if you're having to shave every week, you got a real problem. You may need to buy two cause you're going to wear that battery out at some point, but the first one, boom, clean as a whistle. And it's great because they ain't yanking the pubes, ain't leaving some marks behind, ain't getting me all hot and bothered. And like, I don't know about you, but when I'm trimming with something near my sack, I'm just sweating, just sweating profusely in my hands, afraid I'm going to slip, afraid I'm going to nick, afraid I'm going to drop it. But guess what? It's 100% waterproof. So sweat's not even going to electrocute you if you have sweaty palms. You got to be careful. It's like, it's like diffusing a bomb, Mike. And I'm it glad is. that you've maintained eye contact through this whole thing. It's like diffusing <laughs> a bomb when you're shaving down there. Mike, I want you to give the listeners one story about you and your grooming habits of your balls. <laughs> one story. Let's see. I've got so many good ones. Um, <laughs> Just one. We don't have time for all of them. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow it down. Uh, I would say, um, you know, Shower, shower shaving is preferred. That's, yeah. that's the preferred method. You don't want, you don't want everything going all over, all over everything. That's the only way to contain it because otherwise it's just chaos. So yeah, shower. pubes, pubes have a wide fly radius. I've noticed like they the, if they will light. just go everywhere, it's like you shave one, there's going to be like 15 that are just floating out in the air and they're always in the air. It's kind of like coronavirus. It's, you can't see it. Pubes are in the air. They're everywhere. <laughs> No matter where you go, if you're in a restaurant, whatever, they're in there. But if you do it in the shower, you're good to go. And guess what? Like I said, 100% waterproof, so you can use this in the shower. And they have redesigned this electric trimmer. That's why it's a 3.0, top to bottom. Engineering team has perfected the greatest bald hair trimmer ever created, so you have to go get it. It has an LED light on it, Mike, so you can shave in the dark. That in the shower, dangerous. in the dark. It's not dangerous with LED light. So go today. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. So let's get that bush to tush clean, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BroadwayTN at manscaped.com. Go today. Your balls will thank you. I I made it. I made it all the way made through it. You, without you, uh, yeah. sweating or crying or... yeah. You it made was, it and you, you maintained good eye contact. It wasn't creepy at all for us to talk about this. It's a, it's a new age. We should be able as men to talk about this kind of stuff. So it, I, I feel like we did a good it's job. Time, it's time to be comfortable and, and talk about our balls publicly. Yeah. So speaking of balls, there were football games played this week. <laughs> and speaking of balls, we kind of sucked a little bit of balls in the first half of the Steelers game. The, so, the Titans nicked their balls. Yeah, they did. So let's talk about this, the tell of two halves and the Steelers are good. Okay. So there's no, I let's, let's battle this first. I'm not happy. We lost. And if you are going to take the moral victory road and eh, leave it, leave it at the door. Cause this is a spot. We, we are contenders. Now we are not supposed to settle. Oh, well we played close. We need a win. Like, let's win games, and let's be mad when we lose games. Yeah, there's going to be good things in a loss that you can pinpoint to, but this was a game in the end that we should have won if we would just play the first half really like we played the second half. So, 
main takeaway is always going to be the probably the hot topic is third down defense. Mike Adoree Jackson did not play. Will Adoree Jackson solve the third down defensive woes going forward? I mean, he's not going to solve them by himself, but I think he's going to help tremendously because if you look at what a lot of what Pittsburgh did on those third downs was, it was basically, hey, where's Ty Smith? Or, hey, where's Jonathan Joseph? Like, it, it was targeting specific guys a lot of the time and just taking advantage of the fact that those guys couldn't hang with the Steelers receivers who are very good receivers, as, as everyone knows. But, um, yeah, I, I think Adoree takes away a big flashing light weak spot on the defense that quarterbacks can just look for and, and target. So, um, I do think he helps a lot. But I and I wrote about this yesterday. There, just because the third down defense has been bad to this point, does not mean it's going to be bad forever. They can get this fixed. I'm not sure how they're going to address it. I think it, it feels to me like they're still just a little disjointed from from front to back. Just the feels like you know when the defense is playing really well, it's like they're all on a string. You know, they they know what each other's doing. They are anticipating their teammates' movements. They're able to cover the hole that that guy left when he went to go make a play. It's kind of all, you know, just very, very smoothly coordinated. They lost three, three uh, coaches on that, that side of the ball. They lost Logan Ryan. They lost Earl Casey. They lost Wesley, Wesley Woodyard, who wasn't playing a whole lot, but was still an important part of that uh, locker room. I'm not that shocked that they're a little bit disjointed still, but it needs to start coming around because it's, it's getting, Later in the season, this is the point where, you know, teams start to make that shift. And, and it's we saw it last year with the offense. It's possible to make the shift midseason. Um, but the Titans defense definitely needs to start progressing in a positive direction, particularly with the third down stuff. Yeah, I, I think uh, Justin Graver uh, is going to be releasing an article either later today or tomorrow about the chances of a defensive turnaround and what that all entails over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. So I think, I think there's a real chance that yes, we'll get a Dory back. Um, I'm not sure. I don't have a lot of faith that we're going to make a trade. I think we're going to be rolling typically with what we got, but I think with the Dory back, it will help, but it's not going to solve everything. And it's, it's a it's I'm beginning to question doubt is coming into my mind, but it's been coming in my mind for the last few weeks. Question the person, the usage of who is active and who is inactive. Why is Derek Roberson not active? If you are just at some point, you just need a warm body to get these other guys off the field for a few snaps. And listen, I'm not saying that Roberson is like an elite pass rushing uh, player because if he was he'd probably be out in the field I would assume but when he did play in games last year he was super productive on a pass rushing per play pass rushing you know percentage so why is he not out there to just have a fourth guy like and then you got a question why is David Long not out there but Nick DeZumbar's in there on goal line plays getting hammered now two for two specific plays I can remember this year that went for touchdowns. Well, what is, I'm not questioning, I'm questioning, I guess, the those decisions. Why are those two players not out there? 
I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I thought both those guys flashed late last season, but I mean, we saw Correa flash late last season too, and then he was buried and eventually traded. Um, so I think it's, I think it's hard to know because, frankly, uh, you know, we watch the games and everything, and we can make our evaluations off of that, but we don't get to see practice um, every day. See what you know, see what they do in the meeting rooms, stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not saying you know that they're definitely slacking off in one of those areas but that could be the explanation is that hey these guys just aren't picking it up on the practice field they aren't picking it up in the meeting room um they're afraid that they're going to make some sort of mental error or mistake out there if they put them on the field and that's why they're not getting playing time i mean that's that that happens frequently uh in the nfl especially with young guys which both these guys are still just second year players. Um, so I don't know. I, I get the feeling that maybe it's got to be something like that because I mean, one thing that I feel like we've learned about Vrabel over the last three years now is that he tends, he does give guys a chance if they earn it. Right. I mean, if, if a guy comes out and plays well, he will react and, and make moves accordingly. Um, but so it's very unlike Vrabel to just can a guy on the bench for a veteran for no good reason you know so i i don't know i kind of think there must be something going on behind closed doors that we're not seeing that is influencing their decision making there well let's let's shift to the offensive side of the ball real quick and talk about tyson brelo and roger saffold not allowing one single pressure on the left side yeah tyson brelo left bud dupree with zeros all across the board what did you yeah what did you what do you think about that? Were you kind of surprised? I mean, obviously you have to be a little surprised that, you know, Bud Dupree wasn't an impact at all in the game, but were you surprised that, that both those players didn't really miss a beat in pass protection? Yeah, I was definitely a little surprised by um, Sembrello just completely shutting it down on the left side. Now he played actually really well. Um, down the stretch against uh, Houston too. So, I mean, I, I kind of thought that they might be more okay than I think what, you know, most people were expecting uh, heading into this game. But um, I, de- I definitely didn't expect to not hear Bud Dupree's name one time during the entire broadcast. I mean, he, he was a total non-factor. I can't even remember seeing him on the field, honestly. I mean, he was completely erased. So um, now I'm, I'm still yet to go back and watch all 22 just yet, but I do know watching the live broadcast, I did see them chipping and helping uh, on that side um, fairly frequently. So I'll see kind of how much that was. But even even with help, even with chips, um, you know, you still have to block the guy and keep him out of the backfield. And and he did a great job with that. So um, because, I mean, they were chipping Watt on the other side, too, and that did not stop him from making plays. So big credit to Sam Brelo for stepping in and playing a really good game. Yeah, speaking of the right side, backup uh, right tackle Dennis Kelly, according to Mitchell's brother, um, did not have a great game. Uh, He got whipped repeatedly, just outmatched. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that's just the the T.J. Watt effect at this point, not not a a specific indictment of Dennis Kelly? Yeah, I mean, look, T.J. Watt is an all-pro player for a reason. Uh, He's very, very good at football. So 
TJ Watt is going to embarrass better tackles than Dennis Kelly. So the fact that he embarrassed Dennis Kelly should not be a surprise at all. The guy has, uh, what is it like? He's got like 40 sacks in the last four years and we aren't even, we're through six games of the fourth season. So, I mean, this guy is a monster. Um, he's going to be an all pro for years and years and years to come. And he's right in his prime right now. I mean, and Dennis Kelly is okay. Like he's an okay starting tackle, but we all knew Dennis Kelly's ceiling was okay, right? It was never going to be shut down right tackle that you don't ever have to worry about. Um, and these are the kind of games where you do have to worry about them, and that's what happened. So, I mean, I I don't think it's a, oh, we've got to panic. It, Dennis Kelly is going to be a problem the rest of the year now. I just think Dennis Kelly is going to be a problem when you play, play T.J. Watt. So, um, that's and most right tackles are. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the game plan of – that Arthur Smith laid out. It kind of reminded me of the Carolina Panthers game last year and the Buccaneers game last year where he didn't attack the specific, I feel like he didn't attack the specific weaknesses of the defense. And I feel like where was Johnu this game? Did they just double coverage him? And it feels like we didn't, it was all, I don't know, just felt off like an off day for the oh, offense. Oh, I was surprised that there wasn't more Johnny too. Um, Cause I, I thought going into that game, the, the Steelers, one of their biggest weaknesses defensively was the coverage ability for their linebackers. Like, I mean, Robert Spillane isn't, isn't anybody's idea of a coverage linebacker and Vince Williams is much better going forward than he is going backwards. So um, I kind of figured that the Titans would attack there and they really didn't for the most part, um, at least not through Johnny Smith. Uh, they did get some stuff over the middle with A.J. Brown, of course, um, which was very productive. But um, I don't I, I wonder if maybe Janu, the ankle um, was bothering him a little bit and kind of reducing some of that explosiveness that we usually see from him. Um, and I wonder if that wasn't part of why we didn't see more from him. But, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised that the game plan wasn't just find a way to attack those middle linebackers constantly through the air. Well, the run game went up the middle. I mean, that was pretty much, it was pretty much all up the middle with Derrick Henry, which was the actual weakness of the Steelers defense. A lot of people don't realize that they'd see the next gen stats and those uh, runs. And they think that we're just idiots that, uh, you know, don't know what's going on, but like the Titans knew that the Steelers defense was weak up the middle and they were going to pound it, and they were going to try and keep Derek involved as much as possible. And it, it was working towards the end of the game. The I will say that I think that Derek Henry looked good. I just don't know if I don't know if maybe that was the correct move as much as they did it. What did you yeah. see from the run game? What did you think of that plan of attack? But it's, it's hard to run so it's it's kind of a quandary when you're dealing with the Steelers right because Henry is definitely better when he is running that outside zone play getting into the alleys and able to use that stiff arm to kind of get into a seam and and get upfield that's that's where he's at his best that's where a lot of his big runs come from um that and in kind of finding the cutback lanes when teams start over pursuing all that but against the Steelers Watt and Dupree are so good on the edge um, against the run that it is really hard to run that. And you saw them do it a couple times. They tried to run it, uh, you know, at Watt 
and Watt just steps inside of Kelly and blows it up for a three-yard loss. So, I mean, that's that makes that play almost just not usable. And then the straight-ahead stuff, you know, the the kind of inside zone and, and more of the, you know, dive play kind of stuff was effective. It was picking up positive yardage almost every play. Um, they were they were getting somewhere, you know, three to five-ish. But they aren't – those aren't going to crack as many of the long runs as, as your outside zone runs are. So, I mean, that's – I thought the Titans run game, considering the opponent and everything, was actually pretty decent um, for this game. But you're never – I don't think you're ever going to gash the Steelers for 200 yards on the ground like you would a lot of other teams. That's They're just so stout on the edges that it's just really hard to do. Well, let's go back to the defense. Jeffrey Simmons is batting passes like crazy. I mean, he's our best pass defender by far. Um, he is He's having a heck of a year for this team. What can the Titans do to help help him? I mean, I don't want this to turn into another Jarrell Casey thing where Jarrell Casey, it took years for him to get actual help on that defensive line. Is and we see that Clowney, Vic Beasley, nobody got a sack this year. This this game, we know that Aaron Donald has more sacks than our entire team. We have a we have a sack problem, and we're not talking about manscaped. And now, I wish I would have done a great transition in manscaped using sack problems into this. Totally regret it, but we have a sack problem. What can we yeah. do? to what can this team do to fix it is it going to have to come to to a trade or is it going to have to come from extra time bought by a dory what is what is the solution here to make sure that we don't waste the talent that we have i I think right now the titans have a coverage problem um as much as anything uh if you look at the the time to throw stats on uh pff um you could see you know average uh, time to throw for the season for a quarterback and then go look at the specific game where they played the Titans. I wouldn't did that for all six of the quarterbacks that they've played so far this year. Five of the six have thrown the ball quicker uh, than their season average against the Titans. Uh, And the only one that didn't was Josh Allen. And he was like, it was like 2.91 seconds versus 2.85 seconds. So he was like almost right at his average and he holds the ball for forever against everybody. So, um, but the other ones were all about a 10th of a second faster than their season average, which tells me they're getting the ball out of their hands quicker against the Titans than they are against most other teams, which makes it harder to pass rush uh, and, and actually get home for, for sacks. So you're seeing Clowney is, he's still racking up pressures. I mean, he had three more pressures in this game. He's up to 22 on the season, which, you know, for a season long number being close to, you know, what, 50, 60 pressures, that's pretty good. Um, But it would be really bizarre for him to have that many pressures and zero sacks. So I I have to think at some point the sacks are going to come for him. Uh, And and Landry as well, although Landry's not getting as many pressures as Clowney is. Uh, But the problem is, I feel like the Titans have guys that have done it, right? I mean, Landry had a nine sack season. Clowney's had a nine and a half sack season. Beasley's had, he had the crazy 15 and a half sack season, but he also had a eight sack season last year. They have guys who have done it before. The ability to get a quarterback on the ground is there. 
they're just not getting any help from the back end. I feel like right now, like the, the secondary is just such a problem that it's, it's really hampering the pass rush in this game. Ben Roethlisberger averaged getting the ball out in 2.02 seconds. Quickest in the NFL by like two tenths of a second, which is a significant amount of time in, in the pocket. Uh, you're not going to get sacks against that. When he's just able to take his first read and throw it immediately as soon as he catches it, he, nobody's sacking that guy. Um, it's, I think it's a coverage problem more than it is a pass rush problem. That doesn't mean that the pass rushers have been perfect. They, they've missed opportunities too, but I think they, I think Adori coming back, I think getting some things tightened up on the back end is crucial to starting to see the sack numbers. Cause most of the time when you see a sack, what is it? It's quarterback sees his first read has to come off of it. Now he's looking downfield and, and now the pass rushers are starting to arrive. It's very rare that you see somebody get a quarterback before he gets to his first read. So, and this will be the last thing we talk about the Steelers game. Uh, the coverage, you, you were talking about the coverage. They're, they're playing so far off the wide receivers, the defensive backs are. <laughs> Is that a coaching issue or is it they that they have to do that because of the personnel that's out in the field? I think it's the personnel thing. And, and we've heard, I believe uh, it might have been the Midday 180 guys asked, uh, I think it was Dick LeBeau at the time, about that problem. Because that was, that was always a thing with the Titans was, oh, you know, these guys are lining up too far off the ball and, and they're getting beat underneath all the time. And he said that, Oh, we don't tell them how far to line up off the ball. That's up to them. They know what their coverage responsibility is and how they play that coverage is more of a personal choice for them. Um, so, and they may give them some guidance and this coaching staff may be a little bit different. I'm not sure, but um, I think that's true most likely for most, uh, you know, defensive backs and, and defensive coaches. And I do think it's a problem of, Ty Smith and Jonathan Joseph know they can't run. They they know they can't run with these receivers, especially against a guy like Deontay Johnson, who's got some speed and some quicks to him. Uh, Chase Claypool, who runs like, you know, a deer. Um, they know they can't turn and run with these guys. They're terrified of getting beat deep, so they play off um, and hope they can come up and make the tackle. And that's okay. It's okay if you can come up and make the tackle. Um, but – if you can't, which they didn't in this game, then you're just giving up. You're just giving up layups all game. I mean, that that's that's the thing. It's kind of like they're they're so scared of being beat over the top that they're just willing to give up the underneath stuff and hope they can come up and make a play. Which Adoree does not have that fear. Malcolm Butler doesn't have that fear. I mean, Malcolm Butler's not the fastest corner in the world, but he's still got enough speed that he can make it up if he does get beat off the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think Butler and Adoree being out there on the outside will help that some because I think they're both comfortable pressing up when need be. Um, and then we'll see what happens in the slot. I I, I kind of think it's going to be Chris Jackson uh, in the slot sooner rather than later with Fulton being out for, for a few weeks with a, the knee sprain. Um, but I, at least Chris Jackson is athletic enough that he can run with these guys now technique-wise and everything else. I, I don't know. But I think the Titans have to get more athletic in the secondary. That's that's a huge problem right now. All right, let's let's talk about maybe some help that could be on the way in the form of some trades. 
do you see John Robinson doing a, he's only done one in season trade in his career. And that was trading away Kamale Correa. Do you see him maybe going after a disgruntled player that could be on the cheap, like Carlos Dunlap, who's already selling his house on Twitter? Or do you think that he's just going to stand pat with what he's got and just tell his guys to make it work? You know, I, I kind of feel like it's more likely that they don't make a move. Although if there was going to be a season to make a move, it'd be this one. Um, you know, in the past four years, and I'm writing about this right now for broadwaysportsmedia.com. Uh, in the past four years, they have been four and four, four and three, three and four, and four and four headed into the train, trade deadline. They're, they've always been in that kind of purgatory middle of the road. Like, are we a contender? Are we not? You know, kind of, you know, I, I don't know what's happening with the season. Now they're at worst going to be five and two. I think more likely going to be six and one headed into the deadline. That That's a contender for sure. Uh, you know, and, and you see teams like the Ravens loading up with an extra pass rusher and getting ready to kind of make their push. Um you'd like to see the Titans do that, but the Titans already added their extra pass rusher, right? Like they went and got clowny before the season started. They need the guys that they're paying $21 million to and clowny and Beasley to play like guys that are getting paid $21 million. Um, I think the pass rush, I don't think we probably see somebody added, Um, but coverage wise, I think a corner could make some sense. The trouble is that it's, it's going to be tricky with the cap because the Titans, unlike past years as well, the Titans are close to the cap They're, They've only got, I think just under $9 million uh, in available cap space right now. Now they will get some relief um, likely from Taylor Lewan's injury, which causes uh, a split in his pay. So um, they'll probably get some money back against the cap from that deal at the end of the year, but they would have to do some maneuvering to probably get a big contract in. And the other thing is any contract that they add right now takes away rollover money from the 2021 season, which they're going to need every bit they can get because if the cap goes down, which everyone is expecting it to because of COVID, the Titans are going to be really tight up against it with the contracts they already have on the books. And they've also got John U. Smith, Jayon Brown, Daquan Jones, Corey Davis, and, um, uh, Vic Beasley and Jadavian Clowney all going to be free agents. So even if you don't re-sign all those guys, you've got to replace them somehow, and you're not going to replace all those guys with draft picks. So I, I think the Titans have to be careful about cap management heading into next year um, to not just completely hamstring the roster. But I don't know. I, I think I think corner makes the most sense if they were going to go get somebody, somebody like a, a Brian Poole from the Jets who – plays in the slot, plays well, could kind of fill that role while Christian Fulton's out. Or even if Fulton comes back, he might give them a better option, at least in the short term. Um, but I don't know. I, I tend to think that they're not going to make a move as as much as that'll frustrate fans. But Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I really don't see the Titans making a move. You know, a name like Bryce Callahan would solve a lot of your problems because not only can he play in the slot and he's really, really good, he's also cheap for next year and he can also play on the outside. So you could technically cut Malcolm Butler to get that cap relief and he would only count next year under his current contract, um, $8 million against the cap, which is a lot better than what Malcolm is. 
but that's also a pipe dream, right? Like most of these trades and these people that you look, look at are pipe dreams. I, yeah. I think that a defensive lineman makes more sense on the defensive side of the ball than anything else because we're getting a Dory back. If we got an we if we got a defensive side uh, defensive lineman on the other side of Daquan with Jeffrey Simmons, that to me makes more sense for this defense. Just because that helps that helps all three levels of the game just as much as a Dory helps all three levels of the game. So I kind of look like getting a Dory back is almost like trading for a player at this stage of the season because now he hopefully he is back against the Bengals next week this coming Sunday um, on the offensive side of the ball. I don't see us making a move at all. I know people want to either trade out Corey or get another fourth wide receiver and trade for a wide receiver. None of those makes neither of those right now make any sense for this team. I don't see us going for an offensive tackle for a trade. I know that we have been connected to Riley. Uh, is it Riley reef or Riley rife? Uh, I think it's rife. Right. I know a lot of people have been writing about us trading for him. I mean, not just, and I'm talking about national people are talking about us trading for him and he's having a really good year, but I don't think we need it. I don't think that John Robinson is going to spend draft capital to get something that is essentially a one-year rental when Ty Sembrello is playing pretty good. And we see that we can win well, we didn't win, but we saw we won Houston. But we can p- still be play at a high level with him over on the left side. So I don't, I don't really see that happening at all. And I think there and are he's an expensive contract guy. Too. Yeah, I just you know it, stuff like that. I I find it very very hard to believe that we will be trading for anybody at this point, and anybody of note that is going to cost us a lot. Now, if it's someone that's going to cost like a sixth or seventh round pick like possibly Carlos Dunlap, maybe. But I really think it's going to be that second or third tier of tradable piece on another team that's going to be more depth than anything. Like, I could see us trading for a an outside linebacker, kind of like Kamale Correa, where everybody's going to go, who? I could kind of see that. But, I mean, if you're expecting the big name to come in and save this defense, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I'm, I don't think, like, in the names that I've seen floated out there, like, Stephon Gilmore. I don't, I don't <laughs> think they're going to go trade for a 30-year-old cornerback and, and give up the kind of draft capital it would take to get him uh, it, with a huge contract number. I mean, that completely takes away any rollover money they've got for next year, and he's still under contract next year, too. Uh, you know, there's, there's just some crazy stuff that, that gets floated out there. But, no, I don't, I don't think anything – blockbuster-ish is going to happen now maybe like uh i talked about brian Poole. i think could be an option like a desmond king i wouldn't mind from the chargers um he could play in the slot too and and i think he's kind of he's been a little bit uh he he was a little disgruntled at least earlier in the season about his playing time uh for the chargers so I don't know. I think there's definitely there's definitely some guys that would have some interest in king's cheap he's still on his rookie deal um, and he's uh, basically a one-year rental. So I mean, those are the guys that I think you target, not the guys that are huge name veterans that come with a ten-plus million-dollar price tag. I just right. don't. I, I just don't see how they're going to fit that with the cap and and everything else. Even uh, someone like Everson Griffin, I, I'm not even sure that they would even trade for someone like him just because he's three million dollars left on the contract. I know that it's not a lot, but 
you know, the Cowboys, they're probably going to want a high a mid-round draft pick, which I don't think he's going to be worth it, even if and he is many, a rotational how many guy. snaps is he going to play? I mean, yeah. like the, the Titans, is he better than Landry? Is he better than Clowney? Is he better than Beasley? I mean, I'm he might be better than a couple of those guys. I'm not sure, though. And we're going to throw more money at it just so we can put one of those guys on the bench? I mean, <laughs> Beasley, for all his, you know, issues and everything – played his best game of the season uh, against the Steelers. So, you know, maybe he's coming around a little bit. I think you kind of got to give these guys a little bit more time. And, and yeah, I mean, it, you could end up at the end of the season just going, well, these guys totally sucked and that didn't work at all. But at this point, you're committed to it, right? I mean, this is, this is the way you went. Well, you got to also think that we're technically, like, if you take a take into account the actual playing time for some of these players that would have that would have accumulated in the preseason, some of these players are, you know, two and a half games behind, right? They're two and a half games late into the season on a new team. A lot of like both Clowney and Beasley both missed the majority of the offseason due to various issues. It it's gonna take time, but like you said, Vic Beasley did have his best game, and he is a second half player, uh, second half of the year player. We saw that with Atlanta last year. So, I mean, I'm willing to give it time. I mean, we gotta have, it's gotta start now. We gotta start seeing improvement now. We can't allow, you know, a hundred percent of our third down conversions, which is what it feels like. It feels like you could kneel twice, the opposing quarterback could kneel twice, and then throw on third down, and he'd be fine. Like they're going to convert it's, it. It's honestly insane. Yeah. And I, and it's I comical feel like, to me. I and, laugh. And not to excuse it or anything, but I feel like it's a little bit fluky at least. I be. mean, not, I and mean, it's not like, I know everyone's saying it's popular now to say, oh, the Titans defense is just so trash. They're awful. This is the worst defense ever. They're not that bad. Like they're perfectly fine. Like if you look at the stats on what they're giving up first and second down, they're perfectly fine. They're, they're, in fact, they're uh, a little bit better than average on both of those downs. It's just the third down thing. And there's, yeah, I don't know if it's just they need to focus more time on what they're doing on third downs as far as scheme goes or mix some things up. I, I feel like they did try to mix some things up against the Steelers. They zero blitzed a couple times. You know, they did, did some different things uh, and it just didn't work. And, and at this point, I'm, I'm almost just like, they got the yips. So yes, it's it's like a Chuck Knobloch can't throw the ball from second base to first base anymore yeah. thing. Like it's just uh, you know, it's in their head. Yeah, it's definitely in their head, I think. I think when they're yeah. on the field and they see that's third down, they are they are psyching themselves out to an extent. I think so. Speaking of psychos, and uh, that was a wasn't a great transition. <laughs> Let's get into some Twitter takes. My favorite thing to talk about. And I would like to, I'm going to just ask you a few questions uh, about some Twitter takes, okay? And then we'll, we'll go back and forth because I know you got some. Do you think that Kevin Byard has cashed out in year two of his contract and he's just cruising because he got paid? No, no. It, that goes against everything that Kevin Byard is as a human being. Like He's not playing great. Who cashes, <laughs> who cashes out in year two? Like, why right, in year two yeah. after you guys got so close to a Super Bowl, and I'm sure he's got some incentives, has to have some kind of incentives for making the Super Bowl or something like that. Why in year two would you cash out? Wouldn't you have cashed out in year one? It makes zero sense. It makes you you would have cashed out in year one when you were two and four. Yeah, like, absolutely. It makes no sense. Like, people, 
the one loss people forget that we're five and one, but one loss has turned some of these people into the craziest <laughs> thing. It's I'm reading the craziest stuff that I even, I had to mute Logan Ryan. I had yeah. to get on there. had to meet Logan Ryan. Cause I'm tired of hearing about Logan Ryan and how we could put him in the slot and everything will be fine. Logan Ryan sucks. <laughs> I am sorry to Logan Ryan, the human being who saves a lot of dogs, and I have a dog, so I admire him for that. He is not good. He is not better. He's not better than anything that we got currently, and we are not. If we didn't pay him, want to pay him ten million dollars, we're not going to continue to pay him the rest of his contract and trade away a draft pick for him. Yeah. Shut the fuck up about <laughs> Logan Ryan. Oh my. God, you but, morons. Let me, let me say, let me say he's better than Chris Jackson is right now, but I've got to say you're right though. Like he's, he gave up more yards than anyone else in the NFL last year. And he's, he's on that not, way right now. I think he's not the big coverage fix. Like for all the good stuff he does, he is not the big coverage fix that is fixing all this third down shit. It is not him. Like that's, that's not the magic bullet. Okay, tell me who tell me uh what 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 do you have? All right, my my uh favorite is the immediate overreaction that uh the Titans are straight up imposters at five and one, garbage team, Colts for winning the division, way more complete and better coached. You you mean the Colts who lost to the Jaguars in week one, uh, and then turned around and got beat by uh who did they lose their second game to? It wasn't uh I can't even remember, but anyways, the Colts have lost two games. They just barely escaped a couple others. The Colts are fine. They're fine. But the Titans are five and one for a reason. The fighting, the, the, the Titans beat the doors off of the bills uh, on two days rest just a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're five and one. They're five and one and they have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Don't give me any crap about all of a sudden now they're frauds. Bullshit. And I'm so tired. This is the other one that drives me nuts. Titans could just as easily be one in five right now. Just, you know, a bunch of close wins, bunch of close ones. Have you watched the NFL ever? Like the NFL is close wins. The better teams win the games. The worst teams lose the games. Like most of the games are close. Okay. <laughs> I got, I got a lot from one guy. Uh, he, he took some crazy pills. Diddy Simpson. Um, uh, he took some crazy pills off this loss. It really hit him hard, apparently. Uh, let's start off with this one. Rustin Webster was better at picking free agents, and J-Rob is a better drafter and culture setter. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's insane the, how quick like these takes come. Like It's just one game. One game's all it takes, and then all of a sudden, like... And I kind of feel like there was like a dual universe there where like the Goskowski field goal is in the air and it comes off his foot straight, right? And then it kind of fades to the right. But like before it fades to the right, are all these people like Titans are going to the Super Bowl? Here we go. We're about to come back and win this game six and oh. The the kick catches the wind wrong and goes, you know, three feet to the right of the upright. And all of a sudden frauds, frauds, these teams, this team is awful. It's like, I mean, the, think about it logically. Like if the kick is in the air, it's going to go either in or out. It does not decide whether the team is good or not. Right. Like that is so ridiculous. 
And I hate it every time this happens because like last year, and we were, we were guilty of this last year because it was way worse last year, but last year at two and four, we were sitting here talking about Joe Burrow and whether or not the Titans could lose enough games to get into the conversation of being able to draft a, you know, him or Justin Herbert or whatever, one of these other quarterbacks, um, because they were awful. They were the worst, like they were bottom five offense and they were just a bad football team. And the offense turned out to be awesome. It just take, took one, one player coming in and uh you know the the team gelling a little bit and then they took off the same thing could happen with the defense this year for all we know it, it's just so overreactionary to take one loss in six weeks in to an undefeated team by the way <laughs> no one else has beat the Steelers uh and say oh well frauds they're they're frauds they're awful I knew it all along this is a bad team like get out of here with that bullshit well and and just specifically talk about Russ and Webster, whose only good free agent signing were were he had two, Brian Arakpo and uh, Delaney Walker. This is the guy that signed Parrish Cox. This is the guy that destroyed our offensive line at some point. I mean, give me a break about saying that Russ and Webster is better at anything than J. Rob. He's not. He's better at creating a losing team. And part of creating a losing team is signing free agent players that aren't very good. And that's what he did. That's what Rustin Webster is known for. Besides being a shitty drafter, he's also was bad at signing free agents. I mean, he got two right out of the, he was here from 2012 on. He got two right. Give me a break. Listen, let's just list the, the 2015 Rustin Webster draft class one more time, just, just to kind of put a pin in, in Rustin Webster as, as who he was as GM. Marcus Mariota, Doriel Green Beckham, Jeremiah Putasi, Angelo Blackson, Jalston Fowler, David Cobb, DeAndres Mount, Andy Gallick, Trey McBride. I think maybe two of those guys are still in the NFL, and we are five years removed from that. That, and frankly, that should be the core of this Titans team. That draft should be should be giving us guys that are in their prime, that are like top end guys. Especially when you're drafting second overall, you get that out of a second overall draft slate with what is it like eight or nine picks? Unbelievably bad, like unbelievably bad. Uh, I, Webster's garbage. Do you have another one? Uh, I don't at okay. the moment. I'll, I'll keep on going. Up. Okay, right. Diddy Simpson again, making the list. Love Tannehill, but he's still got to prove he can win the big game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This, this, is, <laughs> this is one of the worst takes, too, because it's always <laughs> Titans can never win the big game. Oh, was the Ravens game not a big game last year in the playoffs? Was the Patriots game not a big game in the playoffs? Was, was all the games that they won to get into the playoffs last year? Uh, not big games. I'm sorry. Do we just decide they're big games when the Titans lose them? Is that is that the criteria you're using now? Like, get out of here with that fucking garbage. Like, that's ridiculous. Tannehill, all all seven wins that he had to get to get us into the playoffs from two and four into the playoffs are big wins. And it wasn't just Henry. It was Henry and Tannehill. We would not have made. We weren't gonna make it with Marcus. Marcus doesn't win those big games. 
then those are big games. When you win seven games to get into the playoffs, all seven of those matter. All seven of those are big games. And then we go in there, and don't forget, yes, Derrick Henry had a um, a great game against the Ravens, but there were also two amazing passes by Ryan Tannehill that resulted in touchdowns, one to John Oon, one to Khalif Raymond. Yeah. We, and, and, I mean, come on. And the Bills game two weeks ago was a big game. Yeah, right? I mean, that was game. a big game until the Titans blew the doors off of them because Ryan Tannehill was playing some of the most efficient football you'll ever see. Yeah. Get out of here with that nonsense. And we didn't lose. First off, there's no such thing as quarterback wins. You know me. I'm not a big quarterback wins guy. <laughs> but there's, we don't lose, we didn't lose this game because of Ryan Tannehill. We lost this game because of our third down defense. And then our third down defense started getting stops and Ryan Tannehill was going through. I know that Ryan Tannehill had that um, horrible call on the intentional grounding, but there was so much more wrong with this game than just that, that you can't pin everything on that one play. So do you have another one or you want me to keep going? Keep going. Okay. You're on a roll. This one's from Kevin Johnson at High Pockets 84. Every now, this did, wasn't really a bad take, but it did result in more bad takes. Uh, so, this, I mean, yes, I get it. Every AJ big play is the exact same crossing route, right? So, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty funny. It had an LOL on the end. It's pretty funny because it does seem that way. Um, this resulted in Tanguazi at Fecta 23. This is why CD is number one. Brown is better slash more talented, but if you need seven on third, Corey is the dude. So basically, Corey, because he is less talented and not as good as A.J. Brown, he's still our number one because on third down, he can get you seven yards. Thoughts on that? Come on, guys. Like, A.J. Brown is good at everything. He's good at everything. The only reason you don't throw it to him more on third down is because teams are focusing on him on third down, trying to take him away from you because he's so good. AJ Brown is, is God's gift to football. Like he, he really is. The uh, Tanguazi did uh, double down at some point. Um, let me find it if I can. AJ is better, if, but if I need eight yards in traffic, I'm going to Corey. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> AJ's one of the best contested catch guys in the league, much less on the Titans. Yeah, this guy really, um, he, he really went on about how Corey Davis is basically, Corey is not going to lie. He makes it sound like Corey Davis is just Tajay Sharp. And you know how everybody oh, loved Tajay God. Sharp. But I know that he's not, but that's what it reminds me of. Like, everybody's yeah. like, well, we're going to miss Tajay because, you know, he got us those, you know, crucial third down catches. Yeah. Then, but then Diddy Simpson comes in. Of uh, he's back, talking about the crossing route or that end zone fade. Only two routes. That's all. Basically, he continues to improve, oh, but only two routes. He can only do two routes, and he does the face emo- uh, face palm emoji. So AJ Brown is now he can't be relied on to make contested catches for third down, but he also uh, d- only runs two routes. Thoughts on uh, the people hating A.J. Brown, who just had a 153-yard game, I believe? Yeah, 153 yards and a touchdown, and and people are mad about it, apparently. Uh, A.J. Brown is a really good all-around receiver. He does everything well. Yes, those crossing routes are 
his like signature play. But hey, every wide receiver has like a signature play. Julio Jones has the blaze out. You know, you get you can think about some other guys, but it is not an indictment of him that the Titans use him well and use him in to accentuate his strengths. Like that is not an indictment of a, who AJ Brown is as a football player. That is complimentary to, to Arthur Smith, who is smart and puts AJ Brown on these crossing routes so he can use his run after catch ability. And by the way, AJ Brown can fly. Like he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for it. But on that play, I mean, he completely just erased angles and was pulling away from the defense. But Mike, on third down, he can't get you. He can't get you those three (laughs) yards on a third and two. And he's the he's the toughest dude. Like, uh, there's been a couple catches. I can't remember which game it was now, but he made one catch. I think it was against the Bills. It was like a stop on uh, third down, and Josh Norman had held him before, and they ended up calling the defensive pass interference. But uh, he held him and was able to, like, keep him close to him. And AJ just reached – like, he just basically posted him up, stuck his butt out to push him back, and then reached his arms out in front of him and, like, made the catch way away from his body and just, like, held it away from him like he was his older brother. AJ Brown's fantastic in space, and, and he's fantastic in contested catch situations too. He's fantastic. He's a great wide receiver. There has been a small contingent of people on Twitter who have brought up the name Avery Williamson in trades. I'm not oh against Avery Williamson coming back. This is from Solo Dolo 271. And there was someone else too that said trade Avery Williamson, uh, trade a six round pick for Avery Williamson. Um, do Why do people cling to poor these players that were very bad in pass coverage? Thinking that they'll fix no their pass defense. <laughs> I have no idea because Avery Williamson has been a objectively awful signing for the Jets. I mean, I, I, he has not done anything for them at all. And he was making, I think, like, well, like close to nine million a year or something like that. Um, yeah, trading for bad contracts is a bad idea. And speaking of that, one of the ones that I had, had a bunch of people going, uh, we should uh, trade for Whitney Merciless. Whitney Merciless is one of the worst contracts in football. He's a 30-year-old edge rusher who has like three or four years left on his deal at, at you know, over $10 million a year. And he doesn't produce. Like, he, he's fine. Like, he, he'll get you like six or seven sacks a year or whatever. But he's not a big play guy. I, I don't know when, you know, every, I guess everyone got attached to him as a good player when Vrabel was with him and, and kind of made him into the uh, guy that ended up getting paid. But that's a terrible contract. Do not trade for terrible contracts. Well, I guess they think that this Awful. player is going to suddenly take less money. Yeah. I mean, just, that's, yeah. that's what has to, like to come in these, these people's heads that they think, oh, well, we'll get them in here and then we'll uh, force them to restructure the contract. Yeah, that's not how it works in life. Yeah. <laughs> Merciless, Merciless is already 30 years old. He's due, uh, he's got a base salary or he's got a cap hit of $12 million this year, $12 million next year, $14.5 million Ooh. in 2022 and $14 million in 2023. Oh my and Lord. And he's going to be 33 years old in 2023. Like get out of here with that deal. That's a Bill O'Brien special right yeah. there. Like You, I, you actually make your team that. better by keeping him on the Texans. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that you make your team is better because he's on the Texans. Okay. I am out of Twitter takes. Do you have any more Twitter takes? Oh, wait a minute. There was someone that said that we should fire Mike Vrabel. If we fired Mike Vrabel. Oh, I did get, I did get a few. uh, Are we really sure Mike Vrabel is a good coach? 
because in the, and this drives me crazy too. Uh, they always say, they always want to say, all right, well, Vrabel is only in charge of the defense. He doesn't know anything about offense. He's never, he, he does, he doesn't know shit about offense, right? He's, he's just the coach of the defense. He's the head coach. He's the head football coach. He works with the offense. He works with the defense. If you ever go out to practice and watch him, he works with both sides of the ball. He understands what an offense is. I, I think it's crazy how people tend to think, oh, well, he's a, he's a defensive coach, so he knows nothing about offense. Like he would never, he, if you put him in an offensive meeting room, he'd be like, well, what's a wide receiver? Like, I don't understand. Like, this is football. It's not like, it's not like these guys, it's not like offense and defense are so far apart. It's not like they don't spend their time studying opposing offenses all the time and what they're doing to try to stop them so that might lend some, I mean, Arthur Smith switched sides of the ball. He was a defensive quality control assistant at one point. Raheem Morris went from a wide receivers coach to a defensive coordinator and helped turn around the Falcons defense last year. It is not like these people don't understand what the other side of the ball does. Mike Vrabel is the head football coach. He's responsible for the whole thing. If the offense sucks, that's partially on him. If the defense sucks, that's partially on him. Stop trying to belittle or like minimize his impact on the offense and saying it's all Art Smith. Art Smith is a genius. Well, Art Smith didn't even install that offense in Tennessee. Matt LaFleur installed the offense. Arthur Smith has done a great job building on it, and that's not to take anything away from Art, who's great. But Mike Vrabel is, is in charge of all of this. It is all – the buck stops with him, right? He is the alpha and the omega of responsibility for the Titans, and that's for the entire Titans, not just the defensive Titans. So get out of here with this, like – Oh, well, if his defense is bad, then that means he's a bad coach. No, it's, he's not the defensive coordinator. He's, he's the head coach. All right, let's get into the Bengals game. We're on to Cincinnati. Um, on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Automatic win, right? This isn't going to be a letdown be. game. It's an automatic win. If, if you want to, I, and, and listen, it could still be a game where Joe Burrow, who is having a damn good rookie season is going to have a, a lot of time. But this is three offensive linemen potentially out. We uh, Jonah Williams is for sure out, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, he is definitely out. Uh, Bobby Hart is probably out, the right tackle. Uh, and then their center, um, uh, forget his name now, uh, but I think he was like an undrafted rookie that had beaten out Billy Price uh, for the center job. Um, so he uh, he's hurt as well, but I'm not, it's less, I think he was concussion protocol. So they think yeah. he's probably out for this. So, week, your, so. your two tackles are out and, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And we know that Joe Burrow has been getting harassed by other teams all, all year. This is a very much a, one of those games that's going to fool everybody into thinking, oh, we are back, or we are getting all kinds of sacks and blah, blah. I caution you to remember that there are two tackles out of this game. There are two starting tackles. However, we need that kind of game, right? We need to see, I think, as a fan base um, and as a, you know, analysts, we need to see Jadavian Clowney and Vic Beasley earn that money, at least for one game. You know, whether that's going to be indicative of the whole season, you know, we'll see. The Titans need to generate a lot of sacks this game, make up for a lot of you know missed opportunities the last few games. 
I think that we can limit this Bengals offense to under 20 or to under 30 points, which is a very good thing to be able to do because the Browns had a problem doing that. And the Browns are a pretty good defensive defensive team. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Burrow is good enough and their receivers are really good too. Uh, T Higgins, the rookie has been really good. AJ Brown is starting or not AJ Brown, AJ Green uh, is starting to look more like old AJ Green. And then of course, uh, Tyler Boyd is, is been good for the last few years. They're really good at the receiver position uh, and Burrow can play, but you're right. This is, this is a game where you absolutely have to get after Burrow he's been sacked more than any other quarterback in the NFL. I think he's gone down like 25 times or something like that already this year. You've got to get him on the ground. Uh, you've got to see Jeff. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons should dominate the interior of this offensive line. Um, Clowney and Beasley and Landry should get going against. Uh, they're going to be starting a, a man named Fred, Fred Johnson at uh, right tackle and probably Hakeem Adeniji. Uh, at left tackle um, they're reportedly about to sign Quentin Spain so I don't know they they may play Quentin Spain somewhere they might even play him at left tackle I don't know um, but either way it's going to be really bad for them on the tackle spots it's going and they don't have Joe Mixon either so they, I mean Gio Bernard's a fine running back but he's not as good uh, I don't know about fine he he's he can get you at least okay. a touchdown I guess but yeah. I mean he's he's not very good. No, um, he's not very good. I, this I, is a I, game you gotta you gotta come out and kill the Bengals. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they do come out and kill the Bengals. Uh, we we see that Carlos Dunlap is kind of out of the rotation anyway. I mean, he's not involved. So there's and it's kind of weird. Like I don't know what is going on defensively up there. Some, some weeks are pretty good and some weeks are just bad. But in these last two weeks, they've been real bad. They've had defensive letdowns. I mean, the Browns score all those points, but you got to remember they let the Colts come back and, and win like pretty much unabashed, you know, un couldn't not stop the Colts for whatever reason. And we are a much better team than both the Colts and the Browns. And we are a much better team offensively than both those teams. This is a get-right game. This is a confidence booster game. If we can get the building block that I want to see, I would like to see Adoree Jackson, Roberson, and uh, David Long all active and all involved. But if we can get that third down, if we can limit the third downs to a below-average kind of thing, that's just a confidence booster. It doesn't matter that it's a bad, it's a bad team. That's a get-right mentally game. Yep. And we need to get right mentally. We need to get right. And I think this is going to be that game. I don't want to see the people that are already saying, oh, Joe Burrow's going to throw for 6,000 yards in one game. He's going to break the rookie passing record in this game alone. Like, let, let's settle down. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of, you know, I, I put out the, uh, the tweet about, uh, the Bengals being out without three of their starting offensive linemen and their starting running back and, and the fact that their defense is putrid. I mean, their defense is also without uh, DJ Reader, who's their best defensive tackle, uh, Sam Hubbard, who's their best defensive end. Carlos Dunlap, as you mentioned, is on the bench because he's feuding with the coaching staff and demanding a trade and stuff like that. Um, even like William Jackson has been out their best corner um, and he may come back for this game, but he's reportedly maybe asking for trades too. Um, 
So there's a lot of problems there. The Browns run a very similar offense to what the Titans do from a schematic standpoint. And the Browns have absolutely torched the Bengals both times they've played them. So I think this is a uh, opportunity for the Titans to come out and blow them out. I mean, I, I really do. I think this is a total mismatch on paper. Um, and I'm tired of, of Titans fans after one loss to an undefeated team already getting back to their, oh, well, here we go. Titans are going to have a letdown game. They're going to lose by 10, and, you know, here we go. Enough. Enough with the negative Nancy, sky is falling, chicken little shit. I am so done with that mentality in this fan base. This is a different team. This team was down 27-7 to in the second half of that game on Sunday, and they easily could have just said, all right, we'll, we'll roll it up and play next week. They didn't. They came back. They should have forced overtime if a kick doesn't drift three feet to the right. Um, this is a good football team. I mean, hell, if if the Brian Tannehill's pass to Corey Davis, who has actually had this man beat, uh, and it was a rare miss from Tannehill, who was just slightly off, I felt like, uh, in the game in general. But if Tannehill's throw to Corey Davis is, you know, what, maybe two yards – further inbounds or further, you know, or shorter. Uh, that's a game-winning touchdown, and and the Titans are 6-0, and and, you know, everybody's probably talking about how great this team is and everything. So stop being so fragile uh, with your confidence in this team. They're 5-1. and one. Everyone, everyone in this entire fan base, if I presented the schedule to you and said first six games the Titans go 5-1, and one, everyone takes that running away at the start of the season so keep it in perspective keep it between the lines here let's not swerve off into the ditch and turn back into the old titans fan base that's uh that's crying every time anything uh remotely bad happens some fans after a loss should just put their phone away for a week yes. i think i think twitter should lock them out and just <laughs> say okay we see the titans loss we're locking you out yeah you, you can't come in for a week and and we'll we'll talk then We'll, we'll put you on probationary period. I'm I'm considering just starting a campaign where I'm going to shame Titans fans for these bad takes as they like as they happen. Like I'm just going to save all these Bengals uh, are going to win by thirty uh, bad takes that are in my mentions. I'm just going to save them. I'm going to quote tweet them all after the Titans win this week. I like it. Let's call out the bookmarks and let's do it. So. If you want to see that, you need to follow Mike Miracles at Mike Miracles. You can follow me at FWordsPod. Go to broadwaysportsmedia.com and sign up for membership today. Get all kinds of premium content that you can't get anywhere else. I mean, you can get some of the content, but the quality, the writing, this content is the best out there. It's the best. It's, it's There's worth, a lot of it. There's it's a lot worth of the it. money. And then if you do the membership with the Heimerdinger Foundation, that money goes to um, goes to the uh, Heimerdinger meals Foundation. Meals for Cancer. I mean, yeah. what's, I mean that's great. S- support, support Meals for Cancer. Yeah. Uh, cancer Spe- especially since it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I mean, let, let's, let's do it. Let's support the mill let's support the heimerdinger foundation everybody go and get you the membership if you haven't done it yet we continually donate a portion of the proceeds if you do monthly and if you do annually we'll we'll donate portions of that too it's great we have a new shop mike shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com or is it broadwaysportsmedia.com slash shop 
Uh, it is shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com. Um, you can also just go to our regular website and uh, click on shop up in the top uh, toolbar up there. Um, we've got some stuff on the site that is new products that, that looks pretty good. It's a lot, a lot of Broadway sports stuff. We've got some Nashville spot, Skyline uh, products coming. And then we've got a uh, special line coming soon that uh, we're going to be excited to roll out there, but we will uh, we'll let you guys know when that is active. But we are going to be starting to add some more cool designs in there and um, it'd be a good good spot to get some uh, some good uh, gear to, to represent around town. And we got the home run throwback that comes on on Mondays and they do Titans and 10. You can catch out uh, more podcasts like that. You got Coach's Corner that comes out on Wednesdays. You got Second and Victory and Music City Audible that comes on Friday. And you can hear more of me on the fantasy football podcast that we do called The Flex, and that is on every Thursday. And if you listen to The Flex, you're going to get a lot of good inside jokes that are becoming shirts because they are hilarious inside jokes. And so you got to get over there to figure out when you see these shirts and you're like, what the heck does that mean? You should be going to check out The Flesh, Flex. Because <laughs> the flesh, go that check out like the another flesh. Good podcast. <laughs> so go check out the flex and you can go and catch up on the flex. We encourage you because we do a video podcast. So you go to broad uh, youtube.com slash C slash Broadway sports media, go subscribe and go watch it. Cause the, the video podcasts are way more hilarious than the regular, uh, just audio podcast. So go over there, there and are. see that. Um, like I said, we are partnered with 440media.com. Either way, this has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been F'd. A Broadway Sports Media Production.